Hello everyone and welcome to episode 37 of Added Time, a Games and Graps studio podcast and what a weekend it has been in the world of football. Premier League is hotting up both ends of the table, the title, relegation, European places, all still very much up for grabs aren't they? And we've had some unbelievable results over the weekend so I want to talk about them and I want to talk about the FA Cup as well we had the FA Cup semi-finals at the weekend and the possibility of Man City winning a treble and I also want to have a quick talk about some rumours around transfers because it's coming to the end of the season and pretty much when the season ends is when the transfer speculation really, really starts to hot up. But it's already starting, it's already sort of out there as well. We've had another managerial sacking of sorts as well, which I will obviously cover very, very shortly. So let's have a look at the Premier League results from the weekend, starting with last Friday, Arsenal 3, Southampton 3. And my God, what a game of football this was. Southampton raced into a 2-0 lead. They were 1-0 up after less than a minute. And, you know, I'm sat there as a Leicester fan thinking, oh shit, we're bottom of the league. Like This is really, really bad. And I, I, I turned into an Arsenal fan. I turned into an Arsenal fan. And, you know, Arsenal did get themselves back in it. Martinelli, who I thought had a superb game with a goal after 20 minutes. And then when Southampton went 3-1 up, I thought, that's it, it's done. And I was, yeah, I was all ready for us to be, for, for I say us, for Leicester to be bottom of the league and for the abuse to commence. But what a comeback from Arsenal. They managed to get two goals in two minutes, make it 3-3. I was appealing for everything. I, I celebrated those two goals like, like they were scored by Jamie Vardy. I went mad, absolutely mad. I was appealing for penalties. I was abusing the referee. At one point, the ball went out for a throw-in and I said, our ball, because it came off a Southampton player. Flipping our ball. Like I'm like I'm an Arsenal fan. Luckily, I mean, the wife didn't hear it. She probably wouldn't have cottoned on anyway, what I said, but I've told you all now anyway, so it don't matter. So yeah, I turned into an Arsenal fan for that time being. Uh, and I think I know a few Leicester fans that did as well. They turned into Arsenal fans, <laughs> and and at the minute, there's all them clubs that are down there at the bottom. They they've they're supporting one or two different teams, aren't they? Every every weekend, it sort of changes. You know, I was very much a Liverpool and a Crystal Palace fan and a Fulham fan at the weekend for obvious reasons. So it's it's a weird time to be a football fan at the moment. Just because of everything that's going on, it just feels weird. You want other teams to do well, you want other teams to win, when ordinarily you wouldn't care. But hey, that's the that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of football. So three three. I mean, a decent result. It was weird, really, because it was such a good game of football uh, from from a neutral's point of view. It was such a good game of football that actually, at the end of it, the draw. It felt like a terrible result for Southampton because it kept them bottom. And it feels like an even worse result for Arsenal because they've very much got Man City breathing down their necks. Now, we know that this week we are going to see Man City play Arsenal in a game that many are pretty much saying 
the winner of this wins the league. So both sets of players, both sets of fans looking utterly dejected at the end of that game when for, for everyone else it was like, wow, what a game of football that was. So it was a weird a weird atmosphere, uh, I felt, in the you know, it looked like a weird atmosphere come the end of it. But yeah, great game nonetheless. Liverpool 3, Nottingham Forest 2. So Forest, again, they're down there, they're battling, and they gave it a good go. I mean, Liverpool had all of the ball, all the possession. I think it was something like 80-20 in Liverpool's favour. And yeah, Forest remained down there very much in the relegation zone as well. Leicester 2, Wolves 1. I can't do this every week. My <laughs> my nerves were absolutely shot. Absolutely shot. And it was an emotional weekend for me anyway, uh, for various reasons. And I... the, the With how intense it was and everything, uh, you know, I, my emotions did get the better of me come the final whistle. And look, there's there's still a very good chance Leicester get relegated. Yes, Leicester are out the bottom three now, but then we play Leeds tomorrow, and I just hope this isn't a false dawn. You know, I wouldn't say this was a vintage Leicester performance. You know, it, it felt like the play was a little bit more direct. There was a little less, a little bit less faffing around around the, at the back. You know, with the ball. Uh, I mean, the goal, the Wolves' goal came from. A mistake by Tillemans but I've, I mean I've watched it back and the Wolves players pressed him really really pressed him you know off the ball uh, very similar to the sort of Maguire slash De Gea mistake in the week when United played Sevilla in that they knew where the ball was going and three players just went uh, they got the ball off and, and, and put it into in the back of the net but a, a very attacking lineup from Dean Smith uh, naming all three of Leicester's recognised strikers, Ian Acho, Vardy and Daka, but Daka was playing out on the left, which, you know, it's not his natural position. He's not known for running at people. He's more known for getting in behind uh, and being a goal scorer, uh, although he's not managed to score many this season, unfortunately. But yeah, got back in it. Penalty, um, definite penalty. Uh, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Um, I was looking down at the floor. And I was, in my head, I was expecting to hear cheers from the opposite corner because it had been saved or or we'd missed. But it went in. And then the build-up for the second goal was, was brilliant. And, you know, central to that move that resulted in Castagna scoring was Bubakar Samara, who he, he came to us a couple of years ago with a, a reputation of being a, a good up-and-coming player. And it... I think a lot of people forget that he's still only 24 years old. Now he's a he's a big, tall, you know, marauding midfielder when when he gets going. I think he just likes to dwell on the ball a bit too much. But in his defense, he hasn't really had a long run of games. And I do wonder whether, do you know what, if you just played him now until the end of the season, will we start to see what we thought we were getting, which was a, a strong, powerful midfielder that can carry the ball, that can tackle, that can make great passes as well. So that's a massive positive. And the other positive was Soyuncu. I mentioned it ages ago on this podcast that the moment Rogers goes and a new manager comes in, 
that Soyuncu will find himself back in the Leicester team. And he has man of the match performance on Saturday. However, unfortunately, it has come out today um, that Soyuncu will likely be leaving for a free in the summer and joining Atletico Madrid. Which is a real shame, but I really don't blame him. You know, if he probably feels like he needs a fresh start, whether it's even if Leicester were to stay up, he probably feels like he needs to go somewhere different. And why would you wouldn't turn down Atletico Madrid? Let's face it, they're a they're a Champions League side managed by some say an elite manager. Um, it's not a style of football I enjoy watching, but you know he gets the job done. I don't think they've ever. Under Simeone, I don't think Atletico have finished any lower than third. Maybe in the first season he was there in La Liga. And they've reached a couple of Champions League finals only to be done by Real Madrid, obviously. So look, it's um, it's positive. You know, it was, it was just great to get the win. It was a massive, massive relief. Uh, great saves as well by, by Daniel Everson. And, you know, it does beg the question... If Soyuncu and Everson had played for most of the season, would Leicester be where they are now, which is very much looking over their shoulder and, you know, effectively we've got six cup finals left. But can't go back in time, can't change things, and you can only look forward and do what you can do. Um, you know, Wolves Wolves uh, play some nice football at times as well. Uh, they've got a couple of, couple of really decent players there as well, and... I think the the problem with Wolves is without that focal point up front. I mean, they had Jimenez for such a long time, who was really, really good. You know, I, I really thought he was a, a really good centre forward. A Diego Costa, he, you know, at his age, he can't do it. You know, he can't be as effective as he was. So, but Wolves, Wolves have got a very good manager. So, you know, they'll be all right. They'll be safe now. I would have thought another season in the Premier League for them. But we will wait and see what happens with Leicester. So moving on, uh, Palace-Everton was a nil-nil draw. So not a terrible result. But Everton do find themselves in the bottom three because of that. And then Brentford won, Aston Villa won as well. So Brentford stopping the rot a little bit there. They'd lost a few games. Uh, Villa keep... You know, going from from strength to strength, really. And I know they didn't win. I think it's the first time they've lost for for a few weeks. But they do find themselves in sixth now. Liverpool do have a game in hand and are only a point behind. But with the way that things are going, also, you know, with Liverpool and their away form isn't great, and the way things are going at Tottenham, you know, Villa could find themselves, you know, in in fifth. Uh, I don't think they. I don't think they've quite got enough games left to push for the top four, which is a crazy thing to say, really. But but it's it's really good signs for Villa and for the Villa fans going into next season. So, and again, I've I've said it before: a really really good manager, a really good manager. I know he had his, I know he went to Arsenal, wasn't a success. He was never going to be. He was he was following Arsene Wenger, so he was never going to be, was he? Um. And we also had Fulham versus Leeds. So Leeds suffering another defeat. That's three on the bounce. They, obviously, the last two games prior to this, they'd conceded 11 goals and scoring two. So, you know, it wasn't a battering. Uh, Leeds, 
Leeds have got the players there. I just, I, I don't know. I just don't know whether the it's the direction and maybe the tactics. I, d- I don't really know. It's, it's they've, they've had injuries as well and 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 whatnot. But look, I, I don't, I don't really know with Leeds. I, I feel like that they've got a better identity than some of the other teams down there in terms of this is the way we play. And I watch them sometimes, and I think, Christ, if they were, if they attack Leicester like that, we'll crumble. So it'll it'll make for an interesting game tomorrow. Uh, Fulham picking up a win, much needed win, I would have thought as well. But I think their chances of European football are very much fading, and probably you know they're one of those teams along with Brentford maybe Chelsea as well, that are kind of thinking, right, let's just see these last few games out. Which is good for me because, you know, we've uh, we've got them, uh, Leicester got Fulham pretty soon. So, fingers crossed. Hopefully they are on the beach. Uh, I'm going to jump to Bournemouth nil, West Ham 4 first. So this is a result I didn't see coming. I think with, the, with the run that Bournemouth were on, I really thought that this would be a home win. But... Yeah, West Ham, 4-0 win off the back of going through to a European semi-final as well. Great result for them. And that's really pushed them uh, up the table. They're into 13th. They're on 34. I think 36 will keep a team up, will keep teams up this season. So, you know, they're, they're probably a, a win, a win and maybe a draw away from uh, from being safe. Uh, from the remaining seven games that they've got. So, yeah, uh, Bournemouth, it's dropped them back down there. They'll be looking over their shoulder a little bit. They've got a big game coming up this week. They're away to Southampton. So that will be that'll be interesting. It's going to be so interesting between now and the end of the season. I just wish that Leicester were kind of where Fulham are, where we won't get into Europe, but we also won't go down. But that, that'd be boring, wouldn't it? We don't want that. We don't want to be bored. Do we? We enjoy the roller coaster. And then the biggest shock, utter madness result from the weekend. Newcastle 6, Tottenham 1. And it reminded me of playing FIFA and you play someone who's just far too good for you and they're 5-0 up straight away. That's what it looked like watching it. It was so... It was almost like... The last time I was shocked by what was happening like that was when Germany put seven past Brazil. Um, it was just kind of like, what is going on? Because, you know, we're, t- we're not talking about Newcastle putting six past Southampton or putting six past a mid-table championship team in in a cup. We're talking about Tottenham Hotspur, one of the most... I'm not going to say successful, clearly, but a club that have got star players, internationals, the supposed best stadium in the world, all this flipping money. You know, they thought they were an elite football team when they tried to break away and go to that Super League. And the last few weeks, they have become more Spursy than you could ever imagine. After 21 minutes, Newcastle were 5-0 up. 
for those of you that haven't watched it or don't know or whatever. And at that point, I think at 4-0, when it got to 4-0 after 19 minutes, Spurs fans were walking out and going. Um, Harry Kane did get a goal just after half-time, but then uh, Callum Wilson came on first touch and scored, uh, and the game did finish 6-1. As a result of that, the interim manager, uh, Christian Stellini, I guess I think that's his name, isn't it? Uh, he has... He's effectively been sacked. And now Ryan Mason is going to take over. So, yeah, the interim manager has been sacked and we've now got an interim interim manager. Mental, mental. Um, in terms of Tottenham's next manager, uh, I, I still think Brendan Rodgers will be in the frame. And I think he'll do well there for a couple of seasons uh, and I think Nagelsmann as well will also be in the frame now he's pulled out of the running for the Chelsea job and they have been heavily I say they Chelsea have been heavily linked with Pochettino now look we've seen ex-Chelsea managers become Tottenham managers we've not really seen it the other way round so that'll be an interesting one because Poch has he he's he he comes across as someone that's kind of like I don't want to manage that team because of blah. So he he said he wouldn't take the Barcelona job because of his allegiances to Espanyol, for example. So it does surprise me that he is supposedly very very deep in talks and almost sign on the dotted line. With, with Chelsea. Now that, that's going to be uh, gut-wrenching news to Spurs fans who are already very disillusioned with the club, very disillusioned with the chairman. They don't know what's going to happen to their star striker, their record goal scorer, Harry Kane. Is he going to move in the summer? Is he going to go to, to Man United? Is he going to go to Bayern Munich, PSG? All these clubs are interested in him. And, you know, I'm not Harry Kane's biggest fan. I'm not going to deny that he is a fantastic goal scorer and he's had an amazing uh, career in terms of that and becoming Spurs' highest goal scorer, potentially be the Premier League's highest goal scorer if he continues. And he's England's best ever goal scorer as well, highest goal scorer. So in that sense, he's had a great career, but he's not won a single trophy. And... That's what you get remembered for. So, for Spurs fans to hear that Poch, who they absolutely love, that they were hoping would come back, could well be going to Chelsea, that's going to make things even even worse for Spurs fans. Um, it's They're a club that are a little bit of a mess at the moment. And... I saw a quote the other day that says, no one hates Tottenham more than Tottenham fans. And I think that's right. But then at the same time, I look at the table and they're fifth. And they're probably the lowest they'll finish is seventh. Now I get it. If you, It's all relative, you know. And if I was a Spurs fan, and thankfully I'm not, I wouldn't be happy with finishing seventh, all things considered. You know, I'm not saying that Spurs 
should be going for the title because they haven't got the players that Arsenal have got. They haven't got the players that Man City have got. But I feel like Spurs should be competing with a team like Newcastle. I know Newcastle have got all this money, but it's not like they've gone out and spent 70, 80, 90 million on a striker or they've gone and spent 90 million on a winger. You know, they've just bought well and got a very good manager. That crazy spending will probably come in the summer because Newcastle, you know, are pretty much nailed on top four now. And if you're going to be in the Champions League and you want to be successful in that Champions League and go get at least to the knockouts and maybe, you know, maybe a quarter final would be a success for a club like Newcastle at this stage, then they need to bulk out that squad. They need to buy some better players. So the, the spending will come from, from Newcastle. But I mean, I've talked a lot about Spurs there and how they were and how just, you know, unorganised and they looked and how poor they looked defensively. I mean, that that def- that Spurs defence is absolutely woeful. Absolutely woeful. And phew, Pedro Porro, I, I've not seen him have a good game yet. But Newcastle were great. They were ruthless uh, and they were just, every time they attacked, they looked like scoring. Now, the other debate that has come from this over the last 24 hours is should those Spurs fans be refunded their money? Now, I initially tweeted out and said that, you know, this is a, a, a line that is wheeled out whenever a team gets battered, especially when a team has to travel far. You know, those Spurs fans, if they are from London or the surrounding areas, you know, even if those Spurs fans live in the Midlands, that is a long trip up to Newcastle on a Sunday afternoon to watch your team <laughs> concede five goals in 21 minutes and effectively be game over. And I said that, you know, it was an utterly unprofessional display from a team full of stars, full of players that are on hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. And those fans should be reimbursed their ticket money as a minimum. Then I've, I've looked, it is, that's... My tweet hasn't done the rounds, but it's done the rounds on social media about should the fans be refunded. And there's a lot of people saying, well, no, because that's part and parcel of being a football fan that travels up and down the country. Now, don't get me wrong. I've gone to games, away games, where I've had to travel a bit knowing that there is a 95% chance that we'll lose. The other week, I went to the Etihad. And I was saying, I'll be happy if it stays below six. You know, so I'm going I'm going there. I'm willing to pay £30 plus parking, diesel, whatever, all that sort of stuff, food, drink. I'm willing to part with that, knowing that there's a very, very, very high chance, a very good chance that... Leicester could be on the end of a battering. We lost 3-1, you know, but it was a great day out. And a lot of people have said, no, this is this is part and parcel of it. Because, if you know, if every club did that, every time that they lost, they'd, they'd be constantly re- be reimbursing money. You know, there are a lot... There are teams out there whose fans have gone through far worse than what Tottenham fans are going through. And I know it's all relative. You know, if you're in League 2... And the average players on a grand a week, you know, it is what it is. But it's all relative, and this isn't good enough for Spurs. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Whether they do uh, deserve to have 
have their ticket money reimbursed or anything like that. Uh, I think Daniel Levy has come out and reacted, obviously, to what happened yesterday by sacking Stellini. And I imagine that the... I, I, I think... Before, I don't know when their next... Well, their next game will be this week, I would have thought, is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> They've got Man United on Thursday. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if a permanent manager is announced before that game just to alleviate something. The, the permanent manager might not take charge until the end of the season and it's just a case of damage limitation now and let's try and win as many games uh, as possible. I mean, I look at Spurs' uh, fixtures, if I can. Um, can't find them at the moment. But like I say, they've got Man United coming up. Here we go, fixtures. Doing it on the fly. Here we go. <laughs> they've got... <laughs> Jesus. They've got Man United at home, uh, who are just coming off the back of a good, decent result at the weekend. They've then got Liverpool away. They've got Palace at home. Villa away. Brentford at home. And then they've got Leeds away on the last weekend of the season. So... Winnable games there for me, if I was looking at that as a Spurs fan. But also not easy games as well. Villa, like I say, pushing for Europe. Palace still trying to get a few more, a few more points um, to to make sure that they are safe. You know, Liverpool at Anfield never easy. So, you know, it's not it's not an absolute given that Spurs are going to pick up points over these uh, next few weeks. But yeah, crazy game of football and, you know, it remains to be seen. I think this summer we're going to have transfer merry-go-round. We're going to have managerial merry-go-round as well. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. So uh, I will, I'll cover the Premier League fixtures that are coming up starting from tomorrow. We've got games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then back round again straight Saturday, Sunday and Monday as well. And Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday next week. Jesus Christ. There's so much football on over the next two weeks. Love it. Or the next week. Um, yeah, I'll cover all that uh, in a bit. Let's talk about the FA Cup. So Man City were 3-0 winners against Sheffield United. A Riyad Mahrez hat-trick. So that sees Man City through to the final and they are still on for the treble and trying to stop them from potentially winning that treble will be the only English side to have ever done the treble in terms of league FA Cup and the Champions League Man United are also in the final they beat Brighton 7-6 on penalties went all the way um, I thought Brighton were probably marginally the better team but there wasn't a huge amount in it. De Gea made some really good saves. Clearly learnt from the other night when his mistakes pretty much cost United in the Europa League. Uh, not much passing out from the back, <laughs> it must be said. Uh, very much, very more direct from De Gea. But some good saves in there as well. Uh, and I thought defensively, even though you know a lot of people looked at that United defence yesterday and thought... Good God, Brighton are going to win. Brighton could quite easily win this, and it, you know, 
Uh, but I thought Victor Lindelof was fantastic. I think Luke Shaw is doing does a great job as centre back uh, as well. Uh, Wan Bissaka um, again from a defensive point of view. I I don't think there's a better tackler in the league. Uh, James Madison has has tweeted in the last twenty four hours and said he's the hardest player to go one v one with because he's just so good at tackling. It's it's the attacking side of Wambasaka's game, and in the modern game, you've got to be able to do both if you play in that position. So, yeah, so we've got an, a Manchester derby for an FA Cup final for the first time ever, and the final is being played on the third of June. By which point, the Premier League will have finished, and. And look, it, Arsenal might still win the league, so you know the talk. Any talk of a treble might go out the window, and obviously Man City have got to get through Real Madrid first before they can even think about getting to a Champions League final and even winning that. So look, this talk of a treble, it might all be completely mute come the FA Cup final, or it might be very much on because Man City could win the league, and by then Man City will have confirmed themselves potentially in the Champions League final. So United will be desperate to try and stop that happening and obviously desperate to add silverware. And, you know, Man City will be favourites for the game, barring any sort of mental injuries between now and then. And even then, potentially, Man City would still be favourites. But I think that a trophy in the form of the League Cup and a top four finish and get into an FA Cup final. I think that's a good first season for Ten Hag. I think that would be a success. So, again, another team that I feel are going to be quite busy during the summer. There are rumours that they're going to offload somewhere around 15 players. I think some of those are out of contract, so they probably won't renew some of those deals. Um... So yeah, they're just one team that will be making a few changes over the summer. So let's talk about some transfer rumours, because it's getting to that time of year already. So like I said, Man United looking to offload somewhere in the region of 15 players, apparently. They've been linked with Alexis McAllister, who's also been linked with Liverpool as well. Uh, United have also been linked with Zaha, I believe is on a free come the end of the season. Obviously, Zaha was at United for a little bit. Didn't quite work out. Uh, there are some rumours as to why, but I wouldn't like to say them on here. Um, I saw earlier today that Barcelona are interested in re-signing Aubameyang from Chelsea. I mean... Uh, those two clubs are just mental, aren't they? Absolutely mental. Chelsea are also interested in signing um, a 15-year-old from Ecuador. Born in 2007. It's enough to make you sick. That is. Bloody hell. It makes me feel so old. So, so old. Uh, Jude Bellingham, 
I mean, he's he's going to have all the clubs after him, isn't he? Man City are supposedly the favourites, but obviously Real Madrid will be sniffing, probably PSG as well. And I also saw that there's <laughs> rumours that uh, Arsenal, along with Liverpool, are also interested in Mason Mount. Now, Chelsea are going to be a, a team that are going to be offloading no end of players because they've literally got too many players. There's players that haven't been registered for their Champions League squad. I know they're out now, but they weren't registered because they had too many. There was a, a really good article in The Athletic that talked about what was going on during Graham Potter's time. You had players that were having to sit on the floor in team meetings because there weren't enough seats for all the players. Players were having to get changed in corridors because there wasn't enough room in the changing rooms at the training ground. Now, for the likes of you and I, or whoever's listening, you know, if you've ever played football at any level, you think, oh, well, great, so what? You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've all, I know I have, had to get changed at the side of a pitch before because you've turned up at a ground on a Sunday, or I say a ground, a field, on a Sunday, and there's no train ch- changing facilities, not even a shed. So, you know, you're there stripping down to your kecks, on a cold Sunday morning, hung over to shit. But <laughs> um, but we're talking about a top-level elite football club, one of the richest in the world, etc., etc. So that's a little bit embarrassing. So they're going to offload quite a few players, and they're going to sign players. I mean, we, and, and Cuckoo's coming in the summer as well. You know, Lukaku is technically still a Chelsea player. So yeah, it's... Um, is whoever gets that job, if it is Poch, you know he's he's got uh, he's got some work to do there. Got some work to do. But uh, and the other one, but talking about Chelsea, uh, I saw that they were they're interested in signing Neymar. Now, I would like to see Neymar play in the Premier League. I think that Neymar is an incredibly talented footballer. When it was Neymar, Messi and Suarez at Barcelona, it was ridiculous. And he perhaps didn't get the plaudits because Suarez was banging goals in for fun and Messi is Messi. So it always felt like that maybe he was the kind of people looking at him as being the number three in, in that sort of in that scenario with those other two players. Moves to PSG, you know, to be the focal point, and then Mbappe comes onto the scene. So I think, you know, Neymar's numbers are, are crazy in terms of goals and assists. There's questions over his, you know, his injury record. Does like to get injured quite a lot around his sister's birthday. Uh, let's not go into that one because I'll get in trouble. And I know people will say, well, yeah, you can score 20 and get 15 assists in, in the French League, but. You know, I remember that uh, PSG Bayern Munich final. I think it was the COVID final, so there was no fans in there. Uh, he was superb, absolutely brilliant. He took the game to Bayern, and you know, I was almost willing PSG to win it, although they're a club that I don't quite like necessarily. I was almost willing them to win it because I thought Neymar's performance deserved deserved that, but wasn't to be. Uh, he's coming, getting to 31. Maybe he wants to come to the Premier League 
one last big contract. Not that he needs the money, but you know what I mean. Chelsea will, Chelsea will give him whatever he wants. I mean, he's not going to be on, uh, he's not going to be on a f- pounds and pence at, uh, at PSG. But you know, he, he is coming to the twilight of his career, and I imagine he will probably end his career back in Brazil at, at Santos. So perhaps wants to come to the Prem, maybe. But that'd be interesting. I would like to see him play in this country. See how he how he gets on. See how he how much he gets away with doing his flicks and tricks and rolling about. I mean, look, it, it's... You know, the, the Premier League isn't full of old-fashioned centre-backs anymore that will kick you up in the air. There's one or two. There's one or two that still knock around. And players do still like to put a good, hard challenge in if they have to. Uh, but it's not like sort of even 20 years ago, you know, where you had... Great defenders, but they'd also kick the shit out of you as well. So uh, I, th- I think he'd do all right. I think he'd do all right in the Prem. So yeah, we'll let's see what happens in terms of uh, transfers. I won't do this every week because it's going to change on a flipping daily basis, and it's a long time before the transfer window opens, let alone closes again. So, uh, but I thought I'd just talk about that in terms of what I've seen so far. Right, thanks very much for sticking with me so far. It's a bit gone on a bit longer than I thought, but if you're still listening, thank you very much. Let's have a look at the upcoming fixtures. So we have three games tomorrow night. That is Wolves, Palace, Villa, Fulham, and the big one for me, Leeds against Leicester. So I'm going to go for a for Wolves, Palace to be a draw. I'm going to go for Villa to beat Fulham. Oh, God. And Leeds-Leicester. Maybe it's because I've been scarred this season, but there is just something telling me that Leeds are going to win. Obviously, I don't want that to happen, but I think I've, I've got a feeling it will. I don't know why. I just... I just, Yeah. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm very wrong. Forest-Brighton. I mean, can Brighton bounce back after the weekend? You know, they were taken to extra time etc now they've got to go to the city ground Forest will be well up for it I think this will be I think this will be a Forest win uh, Chelsea Brentford I mean Chelsea aren't doing great Lampard hasn't won a game in 18 games now since he won a game as a manager uh, that needs to change pretty quick uh, this might have a very end of season feel to it neither team have really got a lot to play for other than a bit of pride I'm going to go for a Chelsea win, though. Uh, West Ham, Liverpool. West Ham look like they're buoyed by what's been going on in terms of getting to the semi-final of the Conference League and the big win at the weekend. Liverpool, their away form isn't great, but they do seem to be ticking a bit more. They seem to be getting some results now. Obviously, they've got three at the weekend, six the week before against Leeds. I'm going to go for a narrow Liverpool win. Now, the biggest game of this week by far is Man City versus Arsenal so the situation at the top if you're not aware is Arsenal are top on 75 and Man City are second on 70 but they have two games in hand on Arsenal now it doesn't matter who those two games are really to me 
it's Man City. Arsenal have faltered a little bit. You know, they've the three draws on in a row now in the Premier League. Man City just keep winning. And this is the sort of thing Man City do. You know, they'll they'll go and win 10, 12 games in a row and, you know, out of nowhere, go and, go and win the league. I'll say out of nowhere. They've always been up there all season, but Arsenal have, Arsenal have uh, been pretty much ahead of them for most of that season. I, I, do, I do believe that whoever wins this game wins the title. Obviously, it can be a draw. I feel like a draw would be a better result for Man City than it would Arsenal just because of those two games in hand. The goal difference is not a huge amount in it, but we know that Man City can go to any team and put six, seven past a team. I mean, they, you know, they don't just do it to the teams down the bottom. They can do it to anyone. I think for me, based on form and based on the fact that it is being played at the Etihad, I am going to go for a Man City win. But I will definitely, definitely be watching that game on Wednesday. No, nothing else. Nothing else is going to be even even gets a look in on Wednesday. That is the game to watch. Could be a massive anticlimax, but you know, whatever. It's a, it's a big, big old game. Uh, and then on Thursday we have Everton, Newcastle, Southampton, Bournemouth. Big game down at the bottom. And Spurs, Man United, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think Newcastle. I, I I know they had that big win at the weekend, and sometimes it can be a little bit of a you know after the Lord Mayor's show and the next game you go and lose. But I think Newcastle are just in such good form at the minute. The confidence and the team spirit and everything that you know all all the superlatives and all the cliches that you hear. I think Newcastle are just flying at the moment. So I'm going to go for a Newcastle win. Southampton, Bournemouth. Ooh, that's a tricky one. You know, before Saturday, I would have said, or Sunday even, I would have said Bournemouth by by a mile. But that defeat at home, it makes you wonder what it's going to do to them. But then also, you know, there is going to be that fragility there for Southampton. You know, being 3-1 up to the top of the league and then drawing 3-3, how are they going to respond to that? I'm going to go for a draw in this one. And then Spurs-Man United, I think this will be a United win more misery for Spurs and then yeah we're back round then to Saturday the 29th of April but what I shall do is I'll record on Friday night and put it out Saturday morning for you lovely people so you get two podcasts from me this week so I didn't do one last week I didn't feel like I needed to I didn't feel like there was a great deal to talk about I felt a bit shit as well but anyway less about me more about the football so that's it from me for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Go and follow me on all the socials. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I've got a Facebook page. Don't go on it. Uh, I haven't got the YouTube at the minute. I've taken a step back from that because it's effort. But yeah, go follow me. And yeah, come and say hello if you want to, of course. Don't forget to check out everything else that is going on in the world of Games and Graps. The Games and Graps podcast, I imagine, will be back very soon. Finn's still doing these brilliant videos over on YouTube. 
youtube.com forward slash the finsteel sunny is still doing the fantastic clubhouse podcast i imagine his next episode will be quite good considering what i know where he's been today i wonder whether he'll talk about it anyway i'll leave that for him uh, and he's also he's been doing he's done a little bit of streaming as well. I think he was playing e football the other day over on his Twitch channel. So go and check that out too. So that is it for me. Episode thirty seven in the can, done and dusted. I hope you all have a great week. Stay safe, stay well, and I will see you next time. Goodbye.